glorious day, fellow traveler. Welcome to Science and God with Dr. G. That's me, Dr. Michael Gillen, physicist, astronomer, mathematician, and Christian. That's right. Living, breathing evidence that science and Christianity are not mortal enemies, but good friends. Actually, an awesome power couple. We've come a long, long way from the Garden of Eden, haven't we? From how God wanted us to live. But what exactly did that look like? How did Adam and Eve's daily routine differ from yours today? And one more question. Are there any practical things you can do right here and right now to make your world a little more Eden-like? Wouldn't that be nice? These are crazy times. I could use a little Eden in my life. <laughs> well, that, my friend, is what today's journey is all about. So here we go. I'm going to be quoting Genesis a lot, by the way, because I want to squeeze out every clue from every word the Bible has to say about the Garden of Eden and about Adam and Eve. So here goes. First, the obvious. The Garden of Eden was a beautiful outdoor resort, just like the ones you spend lots of money to vacation in. There's no mention of any kind of indoor shelter. Listen to this description. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. Mm. What's more, a river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. And finally, the fourth branch is called the Euphrates. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I'm booking my flight right now. <laughs> Problem is, no one knows where the garden was located. Today's Euphrates and Tigris rivers, they don't match the Bible's description. Some people think it's because Noah's great flood completely changed the landscape. Could be. What we do know is this. Fig trees grew there, and fig trees are native to the Middle East and parts of Asia. In any case, the location had to have a warm climate. Why? Because Adam and Eve were romping around without any clothes on. <laughs> All right? Second, the Garden of Eden was secluded. It was set apart from the rest of creation. Listen to these clues from Genesis 2. Then the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. 
You see what I mean? According to Genesis 1, on day 6 of creation, God created Adam after he created all the other creatures. But here, in Genesis 2, it's saying just the opposite. It's saying that God created Adam before he created all the other creatures. Why is that? Well, one explanation is simple. The Bible sometimes reports things out of chronological order, so maybe that's all this is. But there's another explanation. If God planted the Garden of Eden in a secluded spot, well away from the rest of creation, then he needs to create a sampler platter of every creature after he creates Adam, so Adam won't be lonely. You know, it reminds me of my honeymoon with Laurel. We spent two glorious weeks in Acapulco, in a resort so far away from the rest of the world, we felt like Adam and Eve. In fact, the place was so secluded that going back to the real world was jarring, painful, actually. I imagine that's how Adam and Eve must have felt when they were kicked out of their secluded <laughs> resort. All right. Third, Adam and Eve didn't just sit around eating and drinking all day, okay? They kept busy. Listen to this. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. In other words, Adam and Eve were the world's first gardeners. Now, let me tell you, my wife and I, we love gardening, but it's not easy work. Spring, summer, winter, fall, there's always something to do. Planting, watering, pruning, deadheading, transplanting, and of course, weeding. Yeah, that's right, weeding. Now, don't be too quick to say, come on, Dr. G, there were no weeds in the Garden of Eden. There's no place for weeds in paradise. Oh, really? Then clearly you haven't heard the old saying, a weed is just a misplaced flower. <laughs> you see, weeds aren't inherently bad, my friend. In fact, some of them are downright beautiful, you know, like clover or goldenrod or my favorite creeping buttercups. Yeah, they're so cute. I love them. On the other hand, we can't say there were no thorns or thistles in the garden. You know, they came after Adam and Eve blew it. Listen to what God tells them. Because of you, the ground is cursed all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Though you will eat of its grains, it will grow thorns and thistles for you. Hmm, sad. Another thing, Adam and Eve were not just gardeners. They were farmers. Listen to this. When the Lord God made the earth and heavens, there were no people to cultivate the soil. This implies that when people did appear on earth, namely Adam and Eve, one of the things they did was cultivate the soil. 
Of course, the soil would have been perfect in every way, right? No need for fertilizers <laughs> and no thorns or thistles. Just wonderful cultivating, planting, and harvesting. Lovely. Finally, it's pretty clear Adam and Eve were good with their hands in other ways as well. For example, after the fall, quote, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves, unquote. So they were handy with a needle. But even though life in the Garden of Eden involved work, the work was so thoroughly enjoyable, my friend, it didn't feel like work. You know, it's like the old proverb, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's how Adam and Eve felt about gardening, farming, and working with their hands. And by the way, it's also how I feel about organizing these journeys. It's a lot of work, but I love it. Fourth, before the fall, Adam and Eve were not confined to the garden. No. Listen to God speaking directly to Adam and Eve. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Notice how God isn't saying, hey guys, look, all the vegetation in the garden here is yours to eat. No. <laughs> He's saying, hey guys, look, all the vegetation throughout the earth is yours to eat. The entire planet is your salad bar. <laughs> so why, you might ask, would Adam and Eve choose to stay inside the garden when they were free to roam the entire planet? Well, that, my friend, is a great question. What do you think? Here's my answer. Intimacy with God. Yeah. That, I believe, is what made the Garden of Eden so special. Sure, the weather was great and the scenery was beautiful and the work was pure joy, but what made the Garden of Eden the best place to hang out was this. God lived there. <laughs> you see, Hawaii is great, maybe as beautiful as the Garden of Eden, but without God, Hawaii is not the Garden of Eden. You see, the Garden of Eden was awesome because it was the planet's first and most magnificent temple. Yes, God went on to inhabit tents and clouds and pillars of fire, even the temples of Jerusalem, all of which were magnificent. But in the Garden of Eden, my friend, listen to this, in the Garden of Eden, God wasn't just present spiritually. He was present physically. Listen to what the Bible says. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden. You see? Adam heard God walking. Because back then, God was a real physical presence, just like Jesus was many centuries later. That's why Adam and Eve stuck close to the garden. Do you blame them? I would. 
I would do the same thing. <laughs> Fifth, the Garden of Eden had rules. The first rule takes me back to grad school. <laughs> My thesis chairman, Richard Leboff, was Jewish. And one day, out of the blue, he asked me, Michael, tell me, what was God's first command, very first command? I hadn't read the Bible at that point, so I just shrugged and said, I don't know, love your neighbor as yourself? No, Professor Leboff said. <laughs> right after creating Adam and Eve, God said this to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Adam and Eve followed that rule all right, but not the second rule, which was this. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Hmm. Sixth, Adam and Eve lived a sheltered existence. When God created them, they were innocent and without shame. At first, Adam and Eve had nothing to hide. Quote, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame, unquote. But then, but then, when they bit into that nasty fruit, quote, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness." Unquote. Worse than that, my friend, worse than that. That shame caused them to run away from God. Quote, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Unquote. You know, when I was um, living in Southern California, I was an elder at our church, and one Sunday after the service, a middle-aged woman came to me for prayer. She told me that she hadn't been to church in years because she was ashamed of all the bad decisions she'd made in life. So she couldn't imagine how God could possibly forgive her. So her solution was to run away from him. That poor woman is not alone. I venture to say that tens of millions of people all over the world right now are living like atheists, not because they don't believe in God, but precisely because they do believe in him and can't imagine how he could possibly love and forgive them. They're full of shame and guilt, just like Adam and Eve the moment they disobeyed God. Seventh, Adam and Eve were not just high IQ beasts of the field, okay? During creation, God kept saying, let there be this and let there be that. But when it came to human beings, he didn't say, let there be human beings. He didn't mass produce us. Instead, God made the very first humans by hand, one at a time, 
Listen to how the Bible describes these intimate acts of creation. Quote, God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person." Unquote. It doesn't get more intimate than that, my friend. So then, can we ever get that life back? That life in the Garden of Eden? According to the Bible, the answer is yes. In the next life you can. But what about this life? Is there anything you can do right here and right now to make your life a little more Eden-like? Well, again, the answer is yes, yes. Think back to what we've just talked about, my friend. First, the Garden of Eden was outdoors, physically beautiful and secluded. When you plan a vacation, don't necessarily go to Disneyland or some other hot spot. No, instead choose beautiful outdoor destinations that are far away from the crowds. In my show notes, I've put a link to the Nature Conservancy. It's a nonprofit, one of my favorite, that buys up beautiful, one-of-a-kind properties, outdoor properties, and then opens them to the public. They're usually never crowded. Now, if you can't go far, if you can't travel, no worries. Just go to a local park or spend time in your backyard or on your balcony. Scientific studies, listen to this, scientific studies show that simply being outdoors is good for your physical, mental, and spiritual health. It's called taking vitamin N <laughs> for nature. Vitamin N, spending two hours a week in a park or just looking out a window at nature, no kidding, lowers blood pressure and heart rate, increases alertness and a sense of peace, and even, get this, helps diabetics control their sugar levels. In my show notes, I've put a link to a program called Park RX America. It's run by a medical doctor who literally, literally prescribes the outdoors to his patients. Next, the Garden of Eden was a place where you worked with your hands. Being outdoors is good, my friend, but being outdoors and working with your hands is even better. Gardening, for example. Studies dating back to the 1700s find that gardening has lots of health benefits. For example, gardening lowers cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and it increases serotonin, a hormone associated with feeling happy. In fact, listen to this, listen to this. Soil contains friendly bacteria, like Mycobacterium vacci. Doctors are actually using this bacteria to treat everything from PTSD and depression to colitis and even lung cancer. All right? 
You see, there's a problem today in today's modern world. Antibiotics are killing off friendly bacteria as well as toxic ones. And that's not good for our health. Playing in the dirt, gardening, is one way of fixing that. In my show notes, I've put links to sites that talk about the amazing benefits of therapeutic gardening and friendly bacteria, including, I'm happy to say, my wife's brand new blog, God and Gardening. Check it out. Finally, the Garden of Eden was a place of intimacy with God. Let me ask you, when's the last time you hung out with God? I'm not talking about praying to God. That's not the same thing as being with God. You know, years ago, Sarah Young was tired of the one-way conversation she was having with God. She wanted a daily friendship with the creator of the universe, just like Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. That's when Sarah started a ministry named Jesus Calling. You may have heard of it. Today, her book of daily devotions is helping people all over the world hang out with God. How wonderful is that? In my show notes, I've put a link to Sarah's website. Check it out for sure. Now, of all the suggestions I've made here, this last one, intimacy with God, is the most important. Make no mistake, because without it, you don't have a Garden of Eden or anything like it. What's more, when you hang out with God in the great outdoors, surrounded by the natural beauty of His creation, digging your hands into healthy, life-giving soil, you're preparing yourself for the real thing. Which brings me to the last and best part of this journey. 2,000 years ago, through Jesus, God made peace with Adam and Eve's blunder. And all the blunders you and I have made or ever will make. Because of that, because of Jesus, you don't need to feel guilty and ashamed anymore. Instead, on that day when you take your last breath in this world, God will welcome you into the Garden of Eden with open arms. And this time, this time, my friend, He won't kick you out. This time, paradise will last forever. Okay, that's it for now. Remember, this podcast is not a lecture series. It's a conversation. So now it's your turn. Comments, questions, I'm eager to hear from you. There's all kinds of ways you can connect up with me via my social media links in the show notes below. Till next time, I'm still Dr. G saying, I love science, I love God, I also love you, my fellow traveler. Thanks for listening. <laughs>